What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Convincing Creatives Podcast. Today, we have Dana Ruggiero on the show. Dana is an award-winning filmmaker. She is a documentarian. She's a conservationalist, a listener, and the founding director of the Climate Listening Project. Dana's always had a love for the environment, and we talk a lot about that and how environmentalism and climate change impacts her work her documentaries and the way she thinks about the world around her as an artist. So it was really exciting conversation to chat with another fellow North Carolina connected filmmaker and just see how the world around us really does impact our work. Obviously climate change is real and it's something that we're all dealing with across the world, but how do you show the local impact of it? How do you highlight local stories, local ecosystems and the community around you to connect through it, through your environmentalism? So we have a lot of great conversations about that. Additionally, we also chat about, you know, filmmaking and how you're able to convince others to invest in your work, especially when you're doing these broader things like tackling climate change, which is such a big problem around us. And how do you get work funded and, you know, stories told across not only your region, your local area, but also worldwide. It's a really exciting conversation for anyone out there who is in documentary especially. So that's an exciting episode coming right up with Dana, but before, I'm going to take a quick second and plug my latest movie, Panda Barrett. It is out currently on Tubi and available for purchase or rent on Amazon.com. Check it out if you have a chance. It's a wacky movie about a rapper and his imaginary friend Panda Bear and all the hijinks and drama that they get into together. It's got comedy, it's got drama, a little something for everyone. Without any further ado, thank you for listening, and we're jumping right into the full episode now with Dana Ruggiero. Describe just a little bit about like why you do that and kind of what inspires you to make films um, about environmentalism in 2021. Yes, definitely. You know, I just try to do the work that I'm driven to do, you know, follow the stories that inspire me. And I think just for my whole life, I've been sort of in love with our earth and I want to tell those stories. Important stories to tell. And I mean, especially you know, the year that we're in, there's so much going on uh, across the board. And I mean, environmentalism and climate change are obviously, um, in my opinion, and I feel like you probably feel the same, you know, really should be number one on all of our priority lists. Because, you know, if, if we don't take care of our environment, everything else just doesn't even happen. So, you know, at the end of the day, there's such a, you know, importance to be placed on that. And, and how, are, how are you finding ways to do that with film? Like, uh, you know, I, I made a, uh, documentary in 2016 about the floods in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And that was kind of the closest I've been to, you know, an on the ground disaster where I was documenting it and kind of seeing the ins and outs. And I just feel like there's so many of these on the ground disasters that happen across, you know, the United States and across the world at local levels that just, you know, don't always make the news and don't always get, you know, the coverage they deserve, but they're all microcosms of a broader climate change that's happening. Um, so like, how, how are you finding ways to tell those stories in the pockets that you're able to find them in? I just think about everything as part of this larger ecosystem, right? We're all part of earth. And I think originally when I started wanting to tell these stories, I wanted to talk about the things that can't speak, the animals, the trees. Uh, but I found myself through the years wanting to dive deeper into listening to the human stories uh, because not everybody, although maybe we can speak, not everybody has given an been given an opportunity through the years for their histories to be listened to, for their histories to be you know, told again and again, unless they're able through their own languages and through their own storytelling to hand these stories down. Um, 
So I think that, you know, in wanting to go out and listen and find the ways that we're connected with each other and with the earth, I've seen that there is so much just absolute disconnect around the air pollution and climate crisis and the impacts that it's having across the country. And so when people talk about the things that are important to them, maybe they're talking about their children's health or they're talking about their faith or their jobs, their safety, you know, all of these things that we think about in our day-to-day -day for our own individual survival and the survival of our loved ones, climate change is like this all encompassing thing, like you were saying, where it impacts our health, it impacts our children's safety, it impacts our ability to continue to have jobs. When I think about sustainability, that's what I'm thinking about. Can I continue to live in this place? Will it flood? Will it be on fire? Can I continue to work and make money? Can I continue to feed my family? Is the food secure? You know, everything that we need, everything we want, even the chocolate that I love to eat, uh, the coffee that we drink, the skiing that we enjoy, you know, whatever it is, <laughs> it's impacted by climate change and the air pollution crisis. And so this is a crisis. This is connected. It is the fossil fuel industry that is driving this horrible um you know, way that our future is going. And we have been stifled in our ability to innovate, in our ability to, you know, invest in communities on the ground because we've been so sort of brainwashed or, you know, the, the media and the fossil fuel companies and the politicians that have worked together to make sure that we're thinking we need that or that's somehow okay. And it's okay to like destroy ourselves so that I can have the lights on right now. And that's not it, the way it needs to be anymore. And so I think being able to tell the stories of the people on the ground or just to listen to them. So as a filmmaker, I'm not feeling like extractive, like I'm going in and taking their story and then selling it to the world. I do a climate listening project. I'm going in to where people want me to listen. We're bringing in, you know, real, real listening. Um, where we're then being able to tell these stories through film, tell them through the media, tell them to different organizations and investors and politicians and the, all of the, you know, sort of stakeholders in this world and, and try to get these stories listened and, you know, listened to and also to inspire others to tell their stories as well. Yeah, no, I think that's miraculously the best way to make films is to be a listener. And I think, you know, obviously it's important um, you know, for any filmmaker, whether you're a narrative documentary or both to, to, you know, have a point of view and to have a vision and a voice. Um, those are things that inspire you to get up and create. But at the end of the day, I, I do think the best filmmaking happens when you listen. And I think that there's a, you know, something to be said of being malleable and, and able to be like water wherever you are and to kind of, you know, go somewhere and, and, you know, see what's happening and be able to report on it in a way that, you know, wouldn't happen had you not gone there. And so, you know, I think that's super crucial. How do you get that process going? Like, what's your ideal filmmaking process? Um, and, and how do you, you know, convince yourself even to go tell a story when there is so much unfolding all the time, good, bad, and ugly? I do receive a lot of, you know, tell this story here. I, you know, this story needs to be told. Right. And so I try to connect that in some way with, with some way that somebody can listen or even to empower, like, how do we invest? How do we enable folks to be telling their own stories in different ways like that, right? Connecting the dots, network weaving, whatever that might be. 
And so sometimes over there, there is a story. I have an idea or a nonprofit comes to me or, you know, an individual comes to me and says, this is the story that needs to be told. And kind of like, you kind of dive in, you're kind of following these leads of all these many different stories. And then the one that kind of is more timely, more urgent, more like, why me? Why now? Why this story? Like you feel it, right? And you go there. But then I'm going to come back over here to this side. And the reason why I follow certain stories, some of the reasons why is because I get the money to follow them. Yeah, yeah. The end. Yeah, no, absolutely. Sometimes there's a you know, a smaller organization over here that, or an individual that's like, Dana, I need you to tell this story. I want you to tell this story. And I'm like, okay, I, this is the story. So I can go try to get money for that. Yeah. Or sometimes it's an organization, you know, oftentimes it's saying, hey, Dana, there's these stories that need to be told. So I might have a small organization, a large organization. I'm trying to like subsidize, okay, maybe I can get this money from this yeah. bigger one and then move it over here and then try to figure out how to tell all the stories. So I'm making sometimes very bad films with no budgets and just trying to like pull things together to make things happen, you know, making little videos, making, you know, um, I've done photo essays or, you know, just mm -hmm. listening in different ways. But when you get the money and you can really feel mm -hmm. like you're able to have the resources you need and to dive in and do it justice. It just yeah. feels nice. That's the perfect world scenario. Yeah. When you're, you know, if you can find an organization or a business or someone to partner with, to be able to, you know, just make those logistical things happen. It, it, yeah. it, it smooths the road ahead so much for us as filmmakers. Um, and it allows us to do more. And, you know, sometimes that's not there and that's okay. And like, you know, I've, I've done films, uh, where I've had a grant, I've done films where you know someone's paying for it. There's a business. I've also done films where I just grab my camera and I'm the only crew member, just because you know, like you mentioned earlier, that story has for some reason connected with my heart, and I'm just like, I gotta, I gotta tell it. I would feel bad if I didn't, you know. So got to tell the story. Yes, yes. So that's like, you know, you can't get too lost in following the money. I don't think you lose your art, you lose yourself, but also you can't just live over here in your art, right? Because I'm a full-time filmmaker. Yeah. So I, I never make a thing I don't wanna make. I'm not making commercials for Chevron. I'm making only environmental films, yeah. but not always in the way that I want. Anybody out there that's listening that wants to give me millions and millions and millions of dollars, let's see what we can yeah. do. I mean, that's the thing. I've had people, you know, talk uh, at film festivals to, to myself, to other people, and they'd be like, wow, you did this for $500? Imagine what you could do with 500000 or 50000 or 5000 Like, you know, just anything. Like, even just those little zeros matter um, in ways that, you know, you, you can't comprehend. But, but even when they don't come through, I feel like, you know, for me, filmmaking is a way to connect with wherever I'm living. Uh, with my local community and I feel like that's something that so often gets lost and like you know even if there is no money it's just me picking up the camera walking down the street and just seeing what's happening in the woods over there and like you know the woods is something for me that's magical and I know you've made you know films about that too and that's why I bring it up um, but like for me I've literally you know always grown up around North Carolina with woods in my backyard or in my community um, in all my movies I've made and like the narrative movies I write because I do both narrative and documentary for some crazy reason I have no idea why I, like, I love it though. I ping pong like go back and forth but like in all my narrative movies I always write scenes where the characters go to the woods and I think that's like reflective of my connection with woods and like kind of they're a place for exploration and healing and like I, you know it's just a way to kind of get away from you know the city or the suburbs or wherever you end up at you know
So it, it's it's something that means a lot to me. What do woods mean to you? Because I know you've made films oh my gosh. about this. Yeah. Well, yeah. So protecting our standing forest is the most yeah. important thing that we can do in this world. Like besides, you know, canceling all fossil fuels, never drilling again, just leaving the forest that we have intact, intact as far as these old growth forests that, I mean, I can't believe the idea that we're still fracking or this idea that we would still cut down like a huge thousand year old tree seems like what even, what are humans, right? Yes. <laughs> do we need even... another Walmart? Like it's <laughs> not. <laughs> but um, yeah, I have a, my, not my latest film, but my second to latest film is called Stories Happen in Forests. Yeah. And it's exactly what you're just speaking yeah. to. And so um, that is actually currently coming off of the film festival circuit, which I, I launched an impact campaign for this film. So what I did is I did not, I did not make this film. I came in in the back end. I was in initial conversations about this film like a couple years ago. And then I came in in the back end. And so after these short stories were made, put together into a film, I came in, I made the trailer, I made the poster, and then I created a deep research project around film festivals where this film would either target local communities where forests in the South are being cut down and sold overseas to Europe to be burned for biomass energy is what it's called. It's like considered a renewable energy, but it's not because they're cutting down these old growth private lands in the Southern United States. They're cutting down our forests and selling them. In. And so Dogwood Alliance works on, on protecting our forests from biomass and from really anything that's trying to remove our forests in the Southern US. And so they had this great idea and I wanted to get it out there, but you know, how do we how do we like really shine a light on these stories in a unique way? So I was looking at film festivals that were international that are focused around like tied to the sustainable development goals. We're looking at impact film festivals, you know, and then I was looking at ones in the South that were all throughout these Southern states and communities that may not have heard these environmental messages before. And so we got into, I don't remember now, but it was, you know, I, a hundred percent, I think, of the film festivals that I submitted to, I got into with the film. We nice. won many awards. Yeah. It was the weirdest. Like, I felt like this was the first time because I have not really submitted to, I don't know, I don't always do film festivals. Like, I do different They can strategies. be a mixed bag. Like, it's hard exactly. to say. Yeah. This was like a very, like, I was like, you know, sort of in COVID even. And I was like, I'm yeah. going to like do this. And I, I did it. Like, and I couldn't believe. So it's sort of this behind the scenes thing that nobody really knows what, like, how I, I don't know, I felt really yeah. cool. And I was like, so every time we'd win something, it wasn't just about like the film winning, but that I like literally like did this campaign, this impact campaign that was reaching new people and it felt good, it felt nice. Stories happening for us with the dog. Awesome. Everyone go check it out. I was gonna say, I, I was on your website looking at some of the stuff in preparation for this recording and I oh. saw that and I thought that was a really cool project. And I just, obviously I connected to it because I love the woods, but you know, just I think there's so many ways to connect with nature, whether you have woods around you or not. So sorry, my dog is barking. No, He's that's a... okay. That's the best part of Zooms is like dogs <laughs> and cats and like <laughs> it's a good bark. It's a solid yes. one. <laughs> yeah, my, my dog was barking a lot at the uh, the mailman like this morning. So <laughs> it happens. Yeah, I, you know, speaking on like different sorts of distribution, it was kind yeah. of funny because I did that whole film festival thing, but then my next film, my latest film, is called Planet Prescription. And uh, that's about climate change and health impacts with air pollution. And 
impacts and this loop of how one makes the other worse constantly. Like if your air, if your air pollution is bad, your climate change impacts are going to be worse. Your COVID impacts are going to be worse and how this goes around and around in a circle with climate justice and environmental justice as a major factor, making everything even worse for those folks. Um, but but I sold that film right now. I sold it sort of to a thing called um, Exposure Labs and they made the film The Social Dilemma, which mm. had a big, huge, you know, really did yeah. really oh, well. Yeah. So they make films, but they also had gotten, you know, funding or something, I'm not sure, to have this thing called Film in the Field. Mm. And so they are partnering with almost 200, I'm not sure, almost 200 organizations in the Southeast United States um, through this thing called the Southeast Climate and Energy Network. Another another thing, hopefully, we'll reach some audiences with that climate change conversation. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> awesome. Like, there's always fun ways to distribute your work. And like, you know, whether it is film festivals or finding like organizations that, you know, creatively put things into the world or, or even, you know, at the end of the day, if you just made something, just throw it on YouTube, see what happens. Like, it's out why, there. Why not? You know, there's, there's uh, you know, groups and, you know, things on social media who want to, you know, see stuff like that. So, you know, if you can fill a void that is there, like, absolutely go for it. I mean, that's always been I'm making thing. TikToks now. Yeah, TikToks, absolutely. I love TikTok. I actually, um, I think there's a huge future in TikTok with filmmaking. And, you know, I think people can write it off for like memes and, and there's great funny stuff, but you know, you can do a lot with it. I think it's the opportunity that makes it easier than even YouTube or Instagram or whatever to just for anybody to share their stories or anybody yes. to make a film. I mean, I'm, I've learned so much from these young people on TikTok. Too. Yeah, no, the next generation, <laughs> I'm telling, I'm telling people this now, the next generation of filmmakers, they're already doing their thing on TikTok. Like I, I was messing around with like a VHS camera uh, in high school, you know, mm -hmm. making dumb films with my friends. And like, that was me learning and playing and, you know, growing, but like the people on TikTok who are in high school right now, they're already like gaining an audience real and like, and yeah, I'm like, they're, I'm excited to see what they're going to do once they like get older and like get into the, you know, filmmaking world. So I'm currently launching. So my TikTok project is actually my legacy project with Patagonia. Okay. Um, so I've been making climate listening project films for many years now. Yeah. And so I have some films like the Woodthrush Connection, six years, seven years ago, people still to this day contact me, people still screen the films that I've made, you know, a million years ago. So I'm gonna do kind of an update on TikTok of like, here's the film that we made, you know, here's what that was about. Okay, there was these women that were fighting this coal ash. And then, okay, well, it's been seven years, five years later, guess what, they won. Do you yeah to clean up the coal ash so it's going to be like a two-part kind of like yeah. where are they now what the heck is going on so it's like a patagonia with patagonia and it's like a legacy project but i'm also doing an artist in residence program this is my brand new program that i haven't talked about yet i just sort of loosely announced it on in, on face on instagram today of um where tiktokers or you know poets artists poster makers graphic designers um, we're going to do, I'm working with Nikisha Glover as organizer in residence as climate justice fellow. And she is going to be finding and curating with me and my friend Kelly Sheehan Martin, um, from the Sierra club to, um, to curate and to help invest and listen and love and, and just 
collaborate and cultivate um, some of these local folks on the ground in the impacted communities. So the people that are out there making TikToks or that are wanting to share their stories, hopefully. So instead of me going and diving in and filming during COVID right now, who are those local yeah. people that are filming it themselves and how can I help? How can I, I fund it? How can I... I was literally about to say that what you just described is what excites me about filmmaking. And like, I, I have never been a gear guy. Like, you know, I love a camera. It's fun. Like, you know, I do enjoy playing around with it, but to me, that's not what excites me about filmmaking. I really just love the storytelling. And I think that like the fact that humans across society have become comfortable with like zoom conversation video and iPhone filming video where you film yourself, like, Yes, it's a little more low tech, but the cameras are fine. The storytelling is all the same. And like you get a network all of a sudden of everyone. And like that is so exciting to me. And like, you know, you can tell stories across borders and states and countries and in ways that you just can't always do with a crew. And like, I'm not saying it's going to replace somewhere with a camera, but it's a supplementary. And I think that is what is so exciting you know just to see where that goes because you know when COVID started it was okay we're just going to do this because we can't do the other thing but now I feel like there's a you know it's moving alongside traditional filmmaking and that's actually very exciting so I think it's up to us right or you know and then the elders above us to sort of decide you know, as things shift and as time changes, you know, like, do I get into drones? Do I fly, am I a drone photographer now? Okay, now am I gonna make TikToks? Am I, Mm -hmm. you know, like I I sort of skipped the Snapchat phase, but I'm, you know, I'm I'm doing the TikTok and I I don't know that I'll do everything, but I wanna definitely be aware of the different ways that media can be made because currently, even today in 2021, I'm not sure of the exact numbers, but like, for example, a study came out today in, about the New Yorker magazine. So New Yorker magazine, somebody did an analysis of it. And basically only white men wrote every movie, book, and like art review in the last 20 years. I think it was 20 years or something like that. And pretty much all movies and media only 20% is made by non-white men, right? So like you inviting me on your show shines a light on somebody else, right? And that brings up our statistics of like, here, here's another voice in the media, right? We're going to make our own stories. We're gonna share our own stories to say like, how can I help you? And realize that like, I'm not in a competition with anybody else. We're all just like, and so it just like, it's so important. I think that like, no matter how bad it is, make your movie kids because you got to we need you to (laughs) no we need these stories we need everyone out there and that's like that's what excites me about like i was saying the iphones and even just like dslr cameras and just everything being more affordable and accessible uh we take the power out of the corporations and the studios me you and a thousand other people can go make a thousand films like and, and that's what's powerful and exciting and fresh and like it doesn't make it any easier you know we still got to make the films we still got to do logistics you know but at the end of the day i think um that's going to create just such a a flourish of ideas and content and and uh, stories i mean that you just wouldn't get if you know two people sitting at the top of some you know corporate tower in hollywood would decide because they just wouldn't even think about it you know right thank you for seeing that and for shining 
light on it when listening. I mean, yeah. just do what you do. But even yeah. this extra little bit of outside of filmmaking, doing the podcast, it's listening. It's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, that's, that's why I've really done this. Like, I mean, there's a part where, um, you know, not to get too into like COVID psychology where, you know, like it was very refreshing for me to do the podcast during COVID because, you know, it's, it's a wonderful way to connect with people where, you know, we're all just in our houses and kind of yeah. you know dealing with this trauma that's happening nationally. Um, but then there's also just the secondary aspect of learning and like listening as you said because you know i talk to filmmakers i talk to artists who don't do film i mean it's i, I try to get a, a wide perspective of people out there doing things um to just learn because like i don't know everything and i never will and it's just it's exciting for me to you know just see how many other people are doing stuff and it inspires me because sometimes i get down in the dumps about COVID and the state of the world and i'm like you know all these other things and it's like no i do need to pick up my camera again and go do something so it's been heartbreaking yeah. for so many. And so I, you've probably provided an outlet for a lot of people to feel like a little social connection even. Yeah, no, it's, it's a two-way street. Like it's important, <laughs> you know, I think to, you know, be inspired by your peers because, you know, filmmaking so often, in my opinion, and I think this goes with art in general, like it, it can feel like an island where you're just doing it and you're like, is anyone can, can anyone see this or what's am I just like toiling away here by myself like it's hard to know and you know I watched and, a really good video of Will Smith actually random we saw this on TikTok somebody shared it of if you're gonna make art you have to just be alone you're gonna do it on your own yeah. people might be out there cheering for you maybe somebody whatever or <laughs> and it might even be the people you expect that yeah. show up to support you and cheer for you and watch your film or like your film or yeah. you're like where's my friends at this screening but you know <laughs> <laughs> that's a mood <laughs> but i mean you know to unromanticize it all like I mean, yeah. when COVID hit, I mean, I lost, I had been in development on a major financing. I had, I had a development contract. So I had a pre-film, like just to spend time thinking about my film. I had put that and I, and I lost, I lost it. I had another film that I was going to do that was already set up and like, I was going to lost that. Uh, so I lost two different film fundings and ideas that I've been working on and, and so excited about you know, got in isolation. I lost my dad to COVID. Um, right. You know, the, the art that I'm creating now, the ways that I'm trying to be like hopeful, the ways that I'm trying to um, like still create yeah. even in this time when we're just trying to survive, right? But we need artists, we need our voices more than ever now, I think, but um I just like, I want to make sure that everybody out there like knows that there are people like you who are ready to listen or people like me, because like, I definitely felt alone. And I'm so glad that I have the network that I have because I didn't even really think about that. I could reach out to these people. I, I it was hard and it's like, Oh God, the world is scary. Yeah. And, but once I started to think like, you know what, I have these people and let me start to think about my ideas again. Let me start to believe that I will create and I can create outside of the normal way that I used to create. And I started to talk to people about it. I, I felt the love and I felt um, hopeful again. And I, my creativity and my inspiration and all of that is just like flowing, even though um, it's scary still. And 
I think we're going to have to all be like kind of adapting, but please, anybody that's listening, like it's already alone, a lonely world being a filmmaker or an entrepreneur of any kind or an artist. But like, if you're out there and you're feeling like, you know, even lonelier because of this COVID thing, like definitely get on TikTok, share your stories. There are people out there that want to connect with you, connect up with other people that love you, like, or connect up with us if you need some people to listen. But like, yeah. I mean, I just, I think that we need our artists more than ever right now. So we need y'all out there. Yes, listening. yes we do. I mean, the convincing of the convincing creatives, it goes both ways. Sometimes I have to convince myself. Sometimes I want to help others feel convinced to make. I mean, like, you know, I think it's it's truly a community thing. And like, that's the beauty of the internet with all its problems. It does allow us to connect uh, with people and ideas in a way that we just sometimes can't do in person and, or, or just couldn't do, especially during COVID because it wasn't safe to do so. And, you know, it just, you know, it, it, it opens doors and opportunities. And I think that's exciting. Um, so is, in terms of like being an artist and like, you know, finding a style, branding yourself, um, you know, building an audience, like doing those things, uh, what is your best advice to kind of, you know, put yourself out there and get eyeballs on your work? So, um, you know, I, I, start, I started 20 years ago with animals on television and I knew that media was a way to connect people with the things that were important to me. Right. So I felt like they should be important to others. And so I was out there talking and talking, holding a tiger, holding a snake, telling people what I thought through the, this camera, right. That connects me with people. And so then like 10 years ago, I, I started, or I guess whatever time I started to work with, I worked with the learning channel and I started to work with um, all these other kinds of ways that we could like weave in the messages that I cared about without me having to say them out of my mouth. And then, um, and then I started to pick up the camera and I started to film environmental celebrities that I thought were these leading voices of it. that I thought people would want to see and want to show up for people like Amy Goodman and Bill McKibben. And that's how you get a person there. So I worked with celebrities. I worked with Woody Harrelson, with Ian Summerholder, with these big names, Patti LaBelle and, you know, that's how you get people in a room. You get them in the room because of the celebrities. Okay. You get them in the room because of, you know, all these different reasons, right? You can get people in a room. Um, but then I, I stopped that. And so I created the climate listening project as an umbrella for what I cared about and what I wanted to be doing. And it gave people funders and the people that were looking for my content to watch it or media that were looking for stories about the kind of content that I was creating. It gave everybody, okay, here's this person, here's this funnel of climate stories. And so it was this umbrella thing that made it easy for people to find me based on what they cared about. So I'm making films about nature and climate change. I'm making films about faith in climate change, about being a mom in climate change, about uh, all these little, you know, verticals, these little sectors, these little niche, you know, things. So if somebody's looking for, if they're just a mom, if somebody's looking for faith in environmentalism, whatever these things are. So now I'm having a film that I make about faith in climate change. I work with my partner. How do we get this out better? All right. So we're going to distribute it to 4,000 churches across the country with a toolkit about how to be green at your church. So it's like, this one film that I make about faith and climate change now is distributed to 4,000 churches around the country with a toolkit. Now they're gonna to start their own little green teams. They're gonna watch the film. 
how many people then have seen the film, how many churches then have taken the action to change their light bulbs, to put in motion sensors for their lights or to plant a community garden, whatever these things are. And then I have like a, a agriculture and climate change film, which is about making conventional farmers into sustainable farmers. There's, you know, hundreds of farmers in the country that I want to see this that are conventional farmers. That's the only audience I want to watch this film is conventional farmers. So I partner with a soil scientist who's on tour at colleges and universities that focus on agriculture, um, that's showing my film to USDA conferences, to conventional farmer conferences and events to this very targeted audience where I might have 20 conventional farmers in the room. And I, that's all I want in the room because I want those conventional farmers to make the switch to sustainable farming. I'm going to show my films for free to the people who want to see it, steal my film, show it in your community, get a bunch of people to come out. You don't need to report that back to me. Just use it. Have it be helpful to you. Have it accelerate conversations in your community. At a certain point, you release the film into the world and it doesn't even belong to you anymore. It's like, it's, you good. Know, it's a good thing. It's healthy. Yeah, yeah that weight when you make that documentary yes. and yes. people that you listen to and you want to help so it's like yeah yeah no, that's that's major no a thousand percent like and that and that to me has been what's so challenging and everyone who listens to the podcast i'm sorry for telling the story again but uh you know for me what was hard about the pandemic i mean in addition to a million things was i had this movie that was about to come out panda barrett which was a new feature and i never got even to this day i've still never seen it with an audience and like you know we just released it digitally and like that's fine and you know and i've had people tell me they've enjoyed it and that's awesome but like there's still a part of me that's like i just need that closure you know and then I, and then I, it'll be done but but we have a screening so that's what's the good news we do have a screening in october so yeah it's very exciting and so you know it'll finally get kind of that you know send off in my opinion but you know and again that doesn't really mean anything at the end of the day but there is that part of you as an artist you know that just wants to connect with people to see where where they laugh in the film where they cry where they you know want to have a dialogue after the fact um and you know and, and that is possible online but it, it's just something to be said about uh the community impact where you can talk to people after and just see what they're thinking and maybe get an idea for your next film and just kind of, you know, gauge your audience. And so, you know, to me, that's always major. Um, so one of the things to kind of like wrap and land the plane is I'm curious, like what your thoughts, you know, we talked a little bit about the democratization of filmmaking, you know, being able to make work anywhere. I know you don't have to be based in New York or LA to, you know, make stuff at this point. Um, I, I enjoy making work in North Carolina just because for me, it's a place where I think, uh, A, there's a lot of stories that are untold. And so there's just opportunity to shine lights, you know, on places and people and causes and animals and environments that just aren't getting seen and heard about. Uh, but also it's just, there's something I enjoy about working outside the, you know, the system, so to speak, where, you know, I have the autonomy to create multiple projects at once, uh, or even just take my own camera and be the the whole crew if I need to be, you know, and and, and that's cool too. Um, like, how do how do you approach things uh, as a filmmaker? Because it is this collaborative art form, but at the same time, there is a, a cool thing you can do where you can just pick a camera up, an iPhone, and just go. Like, you know, I love what you were talking about about you know getting together in the theater, showing the film, connecting with the people. That for me 
means so much. And all the way back to the beginning, to going down, when, I, when I'm first sitting down with the funders and we're talking about the ideas, I don't like Hollywood when I get too many funders involved and you lose my ability to connect with the local people. I need to be listening. And that's where in the middle of pre-production to screen it up, the listening to the people on the ground is where my heart lives, you know? Um, I don't like this world, this COVID world, because I need to go out and I need to, I need to listen. I need to be out there listening with people. That's the only thing that I love. That's all I really want to do. I love art. I love creating, but I like partnering with really cool people on the front end, showing it to really cool people on the back end, but all throughout the middle, like I, I, a couple years ago, like our last year, I went and I learned, I got the a virtual reality 360 camera, set that up in an oh, cool. old forest and learned how to do yeah. that. You know, this year, right now, I'm working on an animation project. I don't nice. know what we're doing. I, I tell them things and I'm like, I don't even know what I'm telling you. Am I saying things that you can do? I have no idea. That's the thing, whether you're doing an animated project or just something new and different, like it's, I think it's important to stay curious and like try things Live. out. You know, Wonder. make 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 that weird film by yourself that you're like, would anyone watch this? It's like, I maybe. don't know, maybe. I mean, <laughs> you won't know unless you make it. And like, you know, and I think now, weirdly enough, like during these strange times we live in is the time uh, if you feel like doing a weird project, you know, just to get get it out of your system and to like say you were creative on a Tuesday or whatever, like, you know, that is something you can do. And, you know, it doesn't have to be anything more than that if you need it to be. Um, so, yeah, I know. I think that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Yes. Um, just create. No, that's that's it. I mean, that's the formula. It's hard. It's hard to do. And like, I have to say it a lot to remind myself that's all it is. Uh, but no, I really agree with that. That that is super cool. Um, well, to land the plane, uh, this is like the final question I ask okay. everyone on the podcast. Um, you know, what advice would you give to anyone, you know, just trying to be creative? Uh, and how do you keep yourself cre creative and convince yourself to be creative? I know sometimes that's always challenging as artists. I think I'll just add to what I said, just live, like make yeah. it your life because you can't do this work or anything for other people. My entire being, my whole life, all I do is think about how to help other people, how to help the environment, how to try my best to make less impact or to tread lightly or to be helpful and contribute to this world. I mean, yes, love radically, give all of yourself, you know, yes, be fully present in this world, but also do it for yourself. You know, don't do it for the applause. Don't do it to be famous. Don't do it for the money. Don't do it for any kind of fleeting feelings of success or whatever. Just do it because make the story you want to make, create because you want to create because it's just your life and live full of creation and wonder and curiosity and love. Like just be it, like just exist in art, you know, just be art. I love that. No, I, I always uh, think about it like it's like a sandwich effect where when you start as an artist, you're you're on one side of the sandwich, the bread, and then you're thinking, oh, I love art. I just create to be creative. It makes me happy. 
Um, it gives me a little purpose. It, you know, I can put a piece of myself into the world and, and, the, and that's all it needs to be. And then you kind of get lost in the middle with the middle of the sandwich because you're saying, okay, now I have to get used to, you know, the business side of it and, and money and screening and what other people need, you know, what will play well at a festival, um, you know, audiences, you know, so you, you get lost in that sauce. But then I think eventually, uh, you know, and that's what the middle is hard. Like the middle is what gets a lot of people after they make one or two or three things. And, and where I find the interesting part is, is, you know, in, in older artists, I see this, you know, they've come back around to the other side of the sandwich on the yes. bed, and then they're right back where they started at the beginning. In it till you get here, kids, yes. because it's nice on this side of the sandwich. That's, that's the thing. It's like, you, you got to work your way through and, you know, sometimes you stumble, but, but, you know, for me, that's always where the, the You're going to get full, you're going to throw up. I mean, yeah. it's going to be rough. But yeah. <laughs> You can do it though, like like do it for yourself, do it for the, you know, 11 year old version of yourself that was like a creative individual and like, and I think that truly uh, is all it needs to be, like very, very simplified. So, exactly. Yeah, we make it complicated a lot of times as artists, like we overthink and over doubt and just do all this other stuff and and you know that again that's such a big reason why i make this podcast is like you know to learn from others and also keep myself accountable as a creative to just remember why i'm doing this you know i love that thank you for doing this and thank you for having me on yeah no thank you seriously thank you so much for coming on the show dana where can um people find your work because i know we've talked about it i know some folks are going to want to check it out so yeah um so my name just search my name dana ruggiero i'm you know i've got my dana .com and also uh my film website and then climate listening project.org as well sweet well everyone go check out dana's stuff uh thank you again for listening to everyone who's been tuned in video episodes are on youtube audio episodes wherever you get your podcasts uh let us know if you are you know curious about anything creatively we're always down to listen thank you again and we'll see you on the next one Thank you.